Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Martial arts and boxing. Mixed martial arts and boxing. Yeah. Oh, man. We are doing this. We are doing this. Oh, Jesus. What is up, my friends? Welcome. The final big combat sports night of the year. And my God, what a night it was. Uh, we thank you, as always, for joining us. This is, of course, the UFC Vegas 45 post-fight show. The Paul Woodley 2 post-fight show. Really, just we're an all-violence post-fight show here tonight. We're not discriminating. This is on MMA fighting. You know the crew. Uh, that man over there is my Arizona brother, Jose Youngs, patrolling the paint up north. We have the Prince of Positivity himself, Alexander K. Lee. And, of course, the finest producer in the business, E. Casey Layden. I am Sean Oshadi. It is very late, especially for a- poor AK over there. I think it's like 3 a.m. for him. So let us get to it, fellas, because, wow. Uh, busy, busy night. Let's break it all down. And I suppose there's really only one way we can start. Oh gosh. Jake Paul, Tyron <laughs> Woodley, the rematch, man. And it ends with essentially a worst case scenario for poor Tyron Woodley. Three years ago, this man was on top of the world. Uh, talked about as one of the best pound for Python fighters in all of combat sports. And tonight he got the Jake, he got the, uh, Nate Robinson treatment. Round six, it was a face plant KO. It was a bad one. Jose, I'll start with you, man. I won't lie. I feel pretty sad right now. Like, surprisingly sad. Seeing all these memes flying around the internet, knowing how this one's certainly going to be treated from here forward. The internet is not a kind place. Just your initial thoughts about what we saw tonight. Uh, weird, weird night. Uh, that was a pretty awful fight until that one punch landed. That was... <laughs> significantly worse than the first fight for as everyone was like oh jake paul ran away tyron woodley didn't throw any punches in the first fight i would have preferred that over what was happening until that one punch was what that one punch jake paul landed so uh, i don't want to say i was surprised or not surprised it just when it happened i was like huh i guess tyron woodley's asleep right now uh we hadn't really seen that in a long time or if ever uh, so, Nate Marquardt. Nate Marquardt yeah, was the last Nate time. Nate Yeah. I mean, Strike he's force. obviously been yeah. he's been hit hard and teed up and choked out and lost one-sided decisions. But it's like what we said about Conor McGregor for so long. Like the mystique about him was, yeah, he lost, but there was never really that image of him just unconscious on the canvas. Like we've seen him choked out. We've seen him TKO'd. Uh, we've seen him like break his leg, but we've never really seen him separated from his senses and face down doing his best floor mat impersonation. We saw Tyron Woodley do that tonight. Uh, so it's weird night. Uh, the younger, faster, stronger, bigger, undefeated boxer beat uh, almost 40 year old fighter who hasn't really won a round in several years. So that sentence, I shouldn't be surprised, but given the fact that it's Jake Paul, Maybe I am a slightly surprised that he's the one that's etching his name next to using Nate Markhart and Jake Paul in the same sentence in 2021 to describe <laughs> combat sports is a perfect way to end this year. Uh, it's so weird when you say when you frame it like that, but you're you're not wrong, man. And, and I think the one thing that stuck with me, this is a very short promotion, the lead up to this rematch, right? It was a lot different than the first time we saw this. And the one thing that really stuck with me on that little tete-a-tete that these two men did with our friend Ariel Hawani this week was Tyron's whole rant about how I can't believe this guy of all people has a win over me that this guy can say that he was able to beat me and, and that sort of thing. And now it's just, it's so much worse. It's so much worse than that initial rant uh, for Tyron. Now. I mean, AK, we could circle back to Jake and a few, but obviously we run an MMA site here, right? We have history with Tyron Woodley and man, it is hard 
not to think that something irreconcilable happened to one of our own tonight. AK, for you, did this whole series, and in particular just tonight, change Tyron Woodley's legacy forever in your eyes? Uh, so that's a complicated question. So, okay, so for me, I don't think it should change his legacy that much in the eyes of MMA fans. I think, I think obviously, we know in his prime, he was one of the best welterweights. This doesn't change those outcomes. This doesn't erase his his knockout of Robbie Lawler. It doesn't erase his two-fight series with Wonder Boy, uh, his domination of Darren Till, and wh- whatever other Woodley highlights you want to you cherish and hold on to. It doesn't change those things. What sucks is... There's a whole audience of of combat sports fans who you know are just hearing about Woodley you know for the first time because they're Jake Paul fans or they're you know casual boxing fans, uh, or, or they've only you know know the Woodley sort of this latter stage Woodley, even the guy that fought was you know in the UFC recently and was losing fights in the UFC, and that's that's the scary part for him is that amongst the greater like population, he is the former UFC champion who got knocked out by a YouTuber. Um, and, and it's completely unfair, you know, but I mean, this, this is the headline, this is the tweet, this is the memes that are going out there. Th- these things are presented without context. So again, for those of us who are whatever, are you, whatever it calls hardcore or just people in the media or just dedicated fans. We, we know how good he was. We know how good he was. We know what a talented guy he probably still is, what a great athlete he still is. But what most people are going to see is this guy who just lost a second time to social media, celebrity you know, general provocateur uh, Jake Paul, and the second time, just getting clean knocked out. Uh, one of one of the if if in a, in a void, if we were talking about boxing, we say this was one of the best knockouts of the year. I mean, that's how nasty. Oh. If you ignored, if you ignored the rest of the fight, if you ignored, yeah. you know, just aesthetically, yeah. good lord, that was that was scary. Oh, man, it's 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 weird when you're sitting there and listing off all of Tyron's qualifications, right? Because I still even even all of this aside, this whole year, how this has played out for him, he's still a top five welterweight of all time, probably, right? Like he's on that short list just for his MMA qualifications, what he was able to do at his peak. He's still right there with the with some of the greats at 170. But Casey, man, I mean, I'll throw the same question to you: Did did the way this year played out, and in particular tonight, it, will this change how Tyron Woodley's remembered in your eyes? slightly i think i think in the moment or like even in the, as soon as i saw it, I was like this is the worst thing ever to ever happen to tyron woodley and it feels that way in the moment but actually i think the way woodley kind of handled it came to the press conference even did a little you know a little interview in the in the ring actually incredible at the press conference i have to say like yeah he did not need to do that at all and 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 it's it's commendable it's commendable um we're talking about just like legacies and stuff. Um, well, first of all, the knockout. Uh, I don't know how we calculate this, but do you think by in, in the next week or so, this will be the most watched knockout of the entire year in all combat sports across all the Ooh. internets? It without question. Without, okay, without question. Without question. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that just sucks for Tyron Woodley. I mean, just it just as a person, it just sucks that you're on that receiving end for, you know, ugh, it's just going to be bad. But, Legacy wise, uh, yeah, it takes a shot, but I don't, I don't put this on the same level as like say how BJ Penn kind of destroyed his own legacy, and you no know, BJ Penn, you no know, greatest one of the greatest lightweights ever. We don't even think of that anymore. He, now he's just kind of this guy gets knocked out of bars by random dudes. Tyron Woodley, he he's he chased the dream. It didn't work out. Uh, he still got the paycheck, but the dream didn't kind of kind of became a nightmare, I guess. So I, I I don't think it's as bad as we want to think it is, but it still sucks. And I think I think the way I think the way Jake is kind of handling and not really discrediting Woodley and saying he sucks. He's like, hey, this guy's a warrior. I just fought like a freaking warrior. I'm I, I'm I'm proud of what I did. He's not he's not he Jake never kind of discredited Woodley. If anything, he kind of he kind of raised the stock, you know. And that's just him being a really good promoter and a really good really smart prize fighter. And uh, yeah, Woodley handled it well. And yeah, we're gonna make everyone's gonna make fun of him. We're gonna see the mean, the mean memes. But you know, he's got that he's got that cash to cry in. You know, so he's good. Sure, and hopefully it's a lot of cash. Yeah. If we're being honest, right? Like I, these last two fights since August, I hope Tyron made you, enough you know money to just live well for the rest of his life. You know what? Mama Woodley seemed okay if the knockout, so I'm okay if the knockout. Yeah, I mean, she's Jose, class you, you, act, you know, she's one of she's one of combat sports is like like great yeah. class acts, right? Mom, so Mom, if Mama Willie was fine with it, then I think no we surprise, can, yeah, yeah. Jose, you 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 alluded to this when you're you sort of talking at the beginning of in 
it was a really bad fight, right? Like that right, like yeah, right. low key might have just saved the whole this whole circus that is Jake Paul because that was a bad, 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 bad fight before Jake landed that shot. You even had commentators and the referee just weren't able to to mask and hide their disgust. I think the re- that referee said, "Come on, y'all!" at least four different times, just like audibly loud for for us to hear on, on that broadcast. Just quick straw poll between all you guys. Should this be the last time we see Tyron Woodley fight in general? Like, is this the last time you want to see Tyron Woodley do anything in that, this sort of context? No, I, I, he's we, so, like we, I whatever he whatever he wants. I'm fine with. No, but do you want to see him? Not what he wants. I know what I said. <laughs> I don't care if Tyron Woodley <laughs> oh, fights again or not. If he wants to fight, cool. If he doesn't, cool. Like I'm gonna cover his fight regardless. I take that as a no. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I don't know. Yeah, I want to see, I, I I I see Tyron Woodley fight. I want to see him fight again. Obviously, I, I I love to see him fight an MMA guy in boxing. I like I like those type of matches and stuff. Um, I want to see him in MMA. I don't really want to see him in MMA. I want I want to see him pursue his dream. I feel like we've invested so much time. We know Tyron even better now. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't mind. Now is he going to get this big payday? Is he going to main event pay per view? No, but you know we'll see. Him and Dan Hardy's always out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably that would probably be palatable. But I, I, honestly, I'm done, man. I, I'm done watching. I was probably done watching Woodley fight before the Luke loss. Uh, I was just after the. I think Covington. I think Covington was the one that uh, that really broke me. That I was really like, he he really just can't. It's so it's such a cliche to say it over and over again. Can't pull the trigger or whatever it is. But that that's just like that's only one aspect of kind of is what makes his is making his fight so brutal to watch. He'll be 40 in April, I think. Um, and that's a hard 40. That's a hard 40 with rest, you know, a career in wrestling, a career in, of course, MMA. Uh, now two kind of ugly boxing fights uh, and one vicious knockout. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm not saying he can never win a fight again, but I, I was I was really surprised how many people were convinced that they would see a different uh, Tyron uh, t- uh, tonight. I, I wasn't sold at all. I'm like, there's just, there comes a point where you fought so many times and, you know, so much of fighting is fight or flight and balancing that. And I think his flight has so far overcome his fight instinct. We, you, you're just not going to see him uh, put on entertaining or, or like aggressive fights, I think, ever again. And uh, look, if he hears this, this becomes a soundbite and, uh, and this motivates him. Uh, fantastic. I doubt it. I doubt well, one, I doubt he would even care what I thought. And two, I just I just don't think that that's in him anymore. I think you can tell yourself you're going to fight a certain way. And then once you step in that ring or step in that cage, it's, it's a whole different beast. It just be, it just becomes this other thing. And I'm I'm just speaking as an observer, but I really am not interested in seeing Turn Woodley fight anymore. Last few things here, because then we'll move on to UFC. Because I want to move on from this very depressing topic. If I'm being honest, well, why, but, why, are we uh, depressed? why are we depressed about? Are we depressed? Just I'm, it's, I'm, it's, it's, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm bummed to see. Uh, I wouldn't say Tyron's a legend in MMA, but someone who is so decorated in MMA become a punching bag in a punching in, in like a joke to I think a lot of people out in the wider world who maybe weren't aware of him before this. That's what I'm bummed about ultimately. I think. Because we've seen this guy do great things, you know? Like, we saw the good times for him, and the rest of the world's just seen the bad. Uh, but, Jose, I, I want to just quickly throw it to you, because we saw it all week, and we saw it even again tonight. The Nate Diaz part of all of this. Jorge Masvidal, too, even, if you want to throw him in there. But it is no coincidence that Chris Avila was on this card, and it worked, right? Like, this whole strategy. It got Nate in the building. You're getting Nate Diaz quotes this week. And on the same night where we saw Dana White say at UFC uh, Vegas 45, the post-fight press conference, that Diaz Poirier may actually happen. That might be on the table now. We all know Nate's contract status, one fight left on his deal. It feels as if Jake Paul and Nate Diaz, these two guys are circling each other in a way that is very obvious. I just ask you, is this going to happen in 2022? And should it? Uh, it'll 100% happen in 2022. Should it? I mean, they're both going to make a lot of money, so why not? Uh, Jake Paul, I mean, Nate Diaz is going to lose to Dustin Poirier probably in 2022, and then he's free, and then he can do whatever he wants. He's probably going to box both of the Paul brothers, if I'm if I'm being honest, and then he can go do a trilogy fight against Conor McGregor outside of the UFC and make all of the money. So good for you, Nate Diaz. Make a whole bunch of money fist fighting a bunch of people that a bunch of people want to see you fist fight. So yeah, 100% and 100%. If we're talking about prize fighting, hundred percent. I mean, last thing on this, then we'll move on. But AK Casey, both of you, odds for Diaz Paul in twenty twenty two. Do you do you see this happening? And who do you favor in that fight? If you're being real, well, I like what Casey tweeted. 
had a tweet earlier saying he was really already kind of thinking about uh, Paul and McGregor. Now, because of McGregor's injury, that probably makes it less likely to happen than uh, than Diaz and uh, Paul. Also, like we said, there's a lot of Paul Diaz talk. It's sort of the more immediate matchup. But but really, also, I'm UFC, already. I'm just going to come out and yeah. UFC will never let that happen. Like they would never McGregor. ever go for but that. Why yeah. not? Well, you why just not? we just said because because McGregor's not going to be a free agent anytime ever. But we just said he's not going to do it. We just said the McGregor Diaz trilogy outside of the. Outside of no, but someday, different. someday outside of the UFC, same thing. I think at some point he'll be, you know, if he becomes a free man, that that Jake Paul McGregor fight is going to happen. Now in 2022, like I said, probably not. Again, a health health stuff for McGregor and whatever other crap he wants to do in the UFC uh, before that's done. But somewhere down the road, that's happening. But I'll, I'll agree with Jose. I think in 2022, yeah, do we see that Diaz fight happen with Jake Paul? I I would not bet against it. I think the odds are favorable at this point. Casey. Um, I got. I actually do. I actually doubt it. Um, I know. I know we're poo pooing the idea, but I mean, it was a co promotion between Showtime, Mayweather, and Zufa for the Mayweather uh, Connor thing, Connor fight. And I, I'm when you say I'm talking about Connor under UFC contract fighting Jake Paul. So um, I don't. I still think that's out there. I think there's money. There's there's so much money to be made. And um, yeah, when once Connor. Jake Paul's going to take. It's not, it's 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 not it's not going to happen. I think for a few reasons. It's not going to happen anytime soon because a Dana White actually respects Floyd Mayweather as a businessman and a boxer. There it he is. Definitely doesn't respect Jake Paul. And second of all, no, he, Conor, no, no hold see, on, hold see, on. Casey and I, I, Casey and I were I'm talking out. about this before. Time though. Out. Casey and I were talking about this before. We think he Time does. Out. We think Time he does. Out. Time out. And se- and second of all, Connor is not going to fight Jake Paul under a UFC contract. He's going to fight him when he's out of the UFC and make all of the money. That though that's going to be the biggest thing. Like whether we disagree or agree or not on Dana White respecting Jake or not, Connor isn't going to take that fight until he's out, uh, and he doesn't have to share because Connor's oversharing. This is a guy that's not wearing the crypto shirts for thirty seconds on a way, and you think he's going to, want to share the money of the Jake Paul fight with UFC? Not happening. He's going to wait to get the lion's share. I think right. that would become like the third biggest boxing pay per view of all time. Is that is that crazy to say? I think that that's would just not be crazy at all. I think that'd be just I, behind Mayweather, McGregor, and Mayweather no, Pacquiao. I, I, think. I think it. Go, I think it's number two behind oh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, enough of this nonsense. We need to move on. Let's move on to the real fights tonight. The real oh, action. Real we fights. all know. Look okay. We, we all know what it was. I'm just saying there was fun Lanza stuff Frank tonight, Gore. and I want to talk about the fun stuff. Because good Frank lord, Gore? okay. Box, so Darren boxing, <laughs> boxing is irrelevant unless it's 12 rounds. That's my opinion. Next. Oh, oh, take that, take, take that, Serrano. Take that. <laughs> oh, that's a different story, but. Fellas, the Apex was alive tonight. The U- UFC Vegas 45 was on one tonight because that was a hell of a card. We, we were talking about it going into it on the preview show. It looks like, you know, one of those decent cards where you're going to get some fun fights. But 10 finishes on a 13-fight card. It tied the third most finishes on a card in modern UFC history. And then in the main event, a different kind of history was made because you had Derek Lewis, the man who seemingly can't get any respect no matter how long he's been doing this, the man who's been the underdog in eight of his last 10 fights and was somehow the underdog again coming into this fight against a newcomer who had four UFC fights. Derek Lewis did it again, guys. He did it again, swinging and banging. H-Town on that hoe, first round, gets it done. H-Town, uh, H-Town. I'm just saying, <laughs> dare I say it, the future Hall of Famer, is now the UFC's all-time KO king. He moves into first place all-time with 13 knockouts. Jose, go to you first. Initial takeaways from what we saw tonight from the Black Beast doing it again, man. I mean, Derek Lewis outside of France and Ghana probably has the most horrifying punch I've ever seen in the history of the UFC. I mean, because his is like they're also just so different. Because with Francis, they're kind of looping and they just look violent, like people's heads snap back and they kind of just 
fly like you you punch some when Francis punched you you kind of leave your feet like a la Andre Arlovsky or Jairzinho Derek Lewis needs like he could fight in a phone booth and he can generate power in like one inch and then all of a sudden you're dead so uh Derek Lewis fights are like I don't know what I'm watching half the time because I always feel like a bunch <laughs> of his knock a bunch of his knockouts too are when his back is to the camera and he's like punching against the fence or his opponent is shooting in for a takedown or something crazy is happening. And then all of a sudden it's your, your opponent is asleep is doing a time Woodley impression in the middle of an octagon. So it's just, it's such a weird thing watching Derek Lewis fight. Cause like you said, he's an underdog all of the time and he's almost always losing his fights until he touches you. So that was the definition of Derek Lewis fight. Chris Dawkins didn't look bad at all until he got punched in the face, and then all of a sudden he <laughs> uh, started to lose sense, started to lose consciousness. So, yeah, good for good for Chris Dawkins because that first flurry, Chris Dawkins survives like the first. Dude, flurry, and I was like, I was. How like, many God. people have we seen for survive the Derek Lewis flurry? Like, I can't That's think what of I'm many. Saying. I was like, God damn, this is going to be a fight, and then. Derek Lewis just sprinted at him and punched him a whole bunch more times. And then Chris Dawkins was unconscious. So a uh, crazy fight. Awesome fight. Chris Dawkins didn't look like he Chris Dawkins looks like he belonged in that top 10 at heavyweight. And he just got punched by Derek Lewis, which happens to the worst of you. I mean, he looked like he belonged for three minutes and then all of a sudden he didn't. Right. Uh, AK, I said on the preview show that I was a bit baffled by this whole thing. At, at Lewis being the underdog in this fight, it seemed like you look back on his resume and it's a long one. These are just not the types of fights he loses. Like, there are very specific types of fights against the very elite of the elite that he will lose. And then the rest of the fights, he generally will just beat everybody else. Uh, what do you make of what we saw tonight? Yeah, I mean, look, since a couple of odd losses to like Sean Jordan and Matt Mitrione, the only guys he's lost to, Cedil Gan, current interim champion, Junior Dos Santos, former world champion, Daniel Cormier, two division champion, uh, Mark Hunts, again, one of, one of the great. You know, one of the great heavyweights, one of the great strike, striking heavyweights at the very least, kickboxers. Um, and that so also he, that he, Mahan one was like the peak of his bad back; like he was almost yeah. immobile in that fight. And, and that was by the way one loss in a stretch of I think um, eight wins. And he went eight and one, so that was the one loss in like eight. So he was still crushing people. So the only question, you know, you kind of ask yourself in situations is, well, is Chris Dawkins going to be in this, you know, in that tier? Will we one day look back and say, oh, that was another loss against, you know, a future UFC champion or UFC title contender, uh, Chris Dawkins, which I still think he could be. But was was it going to be building that, uh, getting that shot with a win over Derek Lewis? That's asking a lot. Um, Dawkins had beaten some some good veteran names like Olenek, uh, Abdurakhimov, but this is his first like legitimate top five guy uh, I know Derek Lewis has been around for a while, so people. I think every time you know he faces one of these young contenders, uh, I shouldn't say young, but uh, sorry, fresh, relatively fresh contenders, they're going to ask, "Well, is this you know is he on his way out? Is it time that he becomes a stepping stone?" And and I don't think we're near that stage yet. Uh, I think again, he has a lot of wins left, and I still think guys who are at the cusp of the top ten, or or just at the top ten, like a, in the eight not eight to ten range. I still think he's too much for them. And I think that's what we saw with uh, with Dawkins. It, it could have gone the other way. It, it is heavyweight. It's just there's a reason uh, that these things keep going Derek Lewis's way. You know, people have to acknowledge it's not just luck. It's not just his raw power. There's like a legitimate skill to to what he does uh, and and how he approaches fights, and that's why he keeps getting these wins. So uh, just yeah, another another big victory for uh, for the Black Beast. Absolutely. I mean, Casey, like coming into this. Obviously, this was too much too soon for Chris Dawkins. Like that was sort of the big question coming into this. We talked about that on the preview show, and really, like the the difference right between the Tom Aspinall path and, and what Tom Aspinall is trying to do of taking it slow versus what Chris was trying to do here, where he's a little bit older, he wanted to sort of make that move, make that jump very quickly. It's just so hard in this heavyweight division when there's so few viable names that escalation can happen overnight, like sometimes too fast. And this was one of those. I wonder for you, like, does this validate in your mind? Almost like what Tom Aspinall has been preaching about just taking the slow road sometimes. You know, you got to find out. There's only one way to find out, you know, who you are and how good you are. And um, Chris Dawkins, you know, he signed the contract. He, he thought he was good enough. He talked a big game. Um, he was super confident. No, like 99% of heavyweights are going to have a problem with me. Turns out that 1% is Derek Lewis. So um, I'm not anti-Chris Dawkins or anything. Um, did, did I Did I pick... Did I pick Lewis? I picked Lewis in the preview show, right? I'm fairly sure yeah, that sure I'm the did. only one here that picked I, I, Derek Lewis. Because I, no, I was no, I, I'm pretty sure I was the only one that picked Chris Dawkins. I think it was two one. 
Derek Lewis. Okay, yeah. was it? Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Because you said that. Because I was pretty. Sure. I was, I've been pretty high on Lewis uh, for this fight, uh, especially um, the big jumping competition. And I, it was one of those. Like I said, you know, MMA MMA fans have very short term memories. What have you done for me lately? And Derek Lewis, I think, just had a bad fight. Uh, Gone fights great. Um, Sirogan is just really good. He just he just he makes of, people look bad. He makes, he people, look makes bad. people look bad. He I think yeah. he he exceeded my expectations. Um, I, mm-hmm. I thought that was gonna be a close fight. It was not a close fight. Sirogan is just really good. Sirogan might be the best heavyweight in the world. We don't know actually, and and I won't be surprised if he does beat Francis. When I thought Francis was the best heavyweight ever, just a couple months ago, but here we are. But uh, Derek Lewis, he had a bad fight. He's in the apex. He doesn't have to worry about fans. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, his fra- his favorite, you know, screwed up click rapper in the front row watching him. You know, he doesn't have to worry about tickets for families, you know, all that stuff. He's just the he's embedded just, crew following him around the, the whole time. Crew, yeah. Oh, he's say just, something funny, Derek. Say something, something funny. funny. Yeah, talk, a, talk, talk about your balls. Yeah. Talk about your balls. You know, <laughs> say, say the line, Bart. Say the line. Say the line Bart. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Derek Lewis feels that all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a low key. He this these apex man, he's, he I mean he he said it just listen to his post fight interviews like stop giving me these main events stop giving me these five rounders I just want to make my money beat up some people and get out of town and these are the perfect fights for him um, Derek Lewis just he just doesn't he doesn't like he doesn't like the glory of being a fighter he likes the paycheck he doesn't like the glory he just wants to get his money and get out and apex cards are perfect for him and um, this is, well, I don't know how much this means for Chris Dawkins it's just a loss. He can easily come back and still be the best heavyweight in a couple of years. Charles Oliveira, no, got got subbed by J- Jim Miller and a bunch of other people before he became the best lightweight ever. So I'm not trying to throw Chris Dawkins, you know, out the window or anything. He's he's obviously really good. Just a bad night for him. And Derek Lewis is freaking awesome. And there are levels to this game. And Derek Lewis is on a higher level right now. Yeah, I mean, he's still he he's essentially in the same spot he was coming into this, right? We we all saw him as the number four guy in this division behind Cyril, Francis, and Stipe, and whatever order you want to throw them in. Uh, and that's still where he is. So, gentlemen, just quickly, let's go around the horn here. I mean, you look at the landscape. You have Ngannou and Gan obviously going at it next month. That's the big, next big pay-per-view. And then you have Stipe and John Jones just sort of sitting out there in limbo. We don't really know what's next for them. Jose, I'll start with you first. Like, match make this heavyweight division for me right now. What do you feel? Where do you feel like this goes? Because we had Dana White even tonight saying, Derek Lewis, you might want to stay by your phone just in case a call comes and you might we might need you to fill in in January. Uh, regardless of when he, of who he fights next, Derek Lewis should be on that Houston card in February. That's for sure. If he wants a quick turnaround, but that's up to Derek Lewis. It seems like he didn't have, he didn't really enjoy fighting in Houston last time, but that might've just because he was the main event. He obviously seemed to enjoy it when he fought Ilir Latifi. I think that was, was that even, that might've even been the opener of the pay-per-view if I remember correctly. So, uh, <sighs> meritocracy and wins and losses matter it should be stipe but i want stipe to fight john jones so who's even left that derrick lewis hasn't fought because if chris Dawkins had won that's a whole lot of matchups that you can make uh because he hasn't fought he was what he's four or five fights into his uc career and i feel like Derek yeah. Lewis has fought everyone who's who's even left to heavyweight for him to fight I'm pulling it up right now jarzinho he's the only one he just lost to curtis blades uh, Otherwise, oh, then you're looking the, at like I know the Tom the Aspinalls is. of the world, right? I know. No, oh, I know. What give it to me. Is. I know what you're going to say. And give answer, it to me. The answer is tied to Ivasa. That's the only fight I want to watch right oh, now. Yeah. Tied to, Iv- <laughs> to Ivasa is a fat boy who likes to knock people out and drink liquids out of shoes. And Derek Lewis is a big fat boy who likes to knock people out and throw his cup into the audience. They are both just sound bite machines and you know you're gonna have a good time at that press conference they'll have a fun time they'll have a silly goose time uh fist fighting for our entertainment so i don't give a f i don't give a fudge to quote the great Bilal muhammad i don't give a fudge <laughs> about rankings give me inject tied to ivasa versus Derek lewis into my veins i know all these people on my twitter when i tweeted that were like oh no it should be the volkov rematch no f that Fat boy tied to Evosifers, fat boy Derek Lewis. I'm about it. Sticking inside a small apex, even better. Sign me up. Uh, the Volkov rematch sounds horrible. That's just like, that's one of those special ones where it's like we saw something really cool happen. It's because like, we don't need to redo it. It's because MMA fans on Twitter, actually, no, MMA Twitter is just a bunch of people that say, I like the color purple. They'll be like, you're stupid. You're wrong. Red's the best. I'm like, whatever, bro. But like, I don't like they just want to argue for no reason, but the answer is tied to Ivasa. Anyone that wants to see the Volkov rematch, go suck an egg. 
<laughs> Jeez. Okay. Got, that got purple's the best heavy. color. <laughs> Tiny boss uh, is purple. <laughs> I just have to. I, I'm not certain, but I was watching this post fight press conference, and someone mentioned that the the gentleman who caught the cup. You were talking about shoeys that he tried to then do a shoey out of the cup. I don't know if this is true, but I really <laughs> badly on. like kind of want it to be true while also really not wanting it to be true. I don't know if anybody has inside info here, but please let a brother know if, if this guy tried to do the shoey out of this cup. I, I, uh, that's rough. AK, what do you do next with Derek Lewis? I, I don't hate the Volkov rematch. It wouldn't be my first choice, but I do think you can go outside the top 10. Like that, that that's a rankings fight. That's sort of like, well, they're, you know, uh, the first fight was again uh, Volkov was winning, and then you know uh, give him his chance at redemption. He did get knocked out late in that fight. Fine, so that there's a storyline there. It's it's a very fight night worthy either headliner or co-main. So I get it, and, and, and rankings wise they're close. Jairzinho, another good option, but I don't mind going outside the box as Jose suggested with um, Taito Avasa or even I don't know. I feel like maybe just because this would be kind of a feel good fight, though I know. <laughs> Because Derek Lewis would be probably pretty heavily favored. This is why people wouldn't want it. But uh, Walt Harris? I don't know. I feel like Walt Harris, I feel like that would be a good, fun fight. Oh, my um, God. Again, Walt Harris on three, three fight losing I, streak. And now I, yeah, why do you hate Walt Harris? I don't hate Walt Harris. Sounds like you do. Sounds like you do. Listen, I don't think there's an – I know we, we keep trying to find an, he's a, he's an, e- an easy – an easy feel-good fight for Walt Harris. I don't know if there is one in the UFC, if we're being honest. I there's, don't know if there's someone you can just queue up. There are Harry plenty Huntsucker. of bad heavyweights. I can go on don't the say anything bad about Harry Huntsucker. I, I, I sense Harry Huntsucker slander coming, and I won't hear it. <laughs> I won't hear it, Casey. Though maybe that probably would be – that actually probably would be a really that's, good match. That's who Walt Harris would be fighting, but that's enough about Walt Harris. <laughs> Harry, Harry Huntsucker. God bless him. Uh, but no, I, I don't I don't hate the Volkov matchup as much as uh, – as much as uh, Jose does. But I think that the tie matchup is very realistic. He'll, I think he's going to enter uh, the MMA fighting global rankings, I believe. Uh, you know, we, w- we won't know yet for a few weeks. But I do think he'll take uh, Augusto Sakai's spot. Sakai was 12th. So either someone else is going to hop in there or I think tie to a boss might crack it. So, hey, he is, if they're both in the top 15 of the yeah, most prestigious sense. rankings in all of MMA, I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that. Fair enough. Well, hey, let's move on to wait, the wait. co-main event. No, no, no. What's up, oh. Casey? Derek Lewis versus my personal friends. I want to see Derek Lewis versus John Jones. We ain't going to see that. So I want to see yeah, Derek Lewis. I want to see, but I want to see it. I really want to see it. But I want to see uh, Derek Lewis versus Stipe because Stipe ain't going to get that title shot. And oh. um, it's a fresh fight. And um, it's a, it's, and if, if Stipe really is one of the greatest heavyweights of all time, which I kind of don't believe he is, even though he, the, the statistics, the numbers say he is, um, Stipe should be. Derek Lewis, and that's why I want to see that fight. I actually and, think and, I like and, that and that's fight. A, that's the best. a good thing. That's a good thing. Derek Lewis beats up cops. Now he's gonna beat up a fireman. <laughs> that's the gimmick. <laughs> Beating up first responders. First responder. Are you a paramedic? You're next. Yep. Oh my god. I actually think I might like the Stipe fight the best out of all three of these. Yeah, I love the because, Stipe fight. That's pretty because good. Because Stipe is holding girl. out right now, and I just don't think John Jones is gonna come back for anything other than a, a heavyweight title fight. Like Everybody I don't think shouldn't. he's gonna fight. You know, a Derek, uh, a, yeah. a Derek, or a Stipe, whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's move on. Co-main event, fellas, because another upset in this one, and a fairly big upset at this one that none of us called. And I think if we're being honest, I think an upset that none of us even really expected. You had Bilal Muhammad going out there and just dominating Stephen Thompson, putting the wood to him, pillar to post. It was never close. Fight was never in doubt. You had 30-25s on the board, 30-26s, just Total domination. You had seven takedowns to zero, near, nearly 12 minutes of controlled time in a 15-minute fight. Wow, man. Like the, Bilal Muhammad has been waiting for his big breakout moment, and I think we finally just saw it. Jose, what do you make of what is easily the biggest win of this guy's career? Uh, caught me by surprise. Uh, I think I picked, if my, my words are correct, I thought Stephen Thompson was going to cruise to a, like a, what did I say, like, 10-9, 10-9, 10-9, 30-27 across the board. I think I've referenced like Blah Muhammad wins a lot of decisions, loses to a lot of guys in the top five. Wonder Boy's been in the top five for so long. Uh, feel like three-round fights going into a decision in a fight that Stephen Thompson is involved in. Normally, he's the one that's winning. I know he just lost to Gilbert Burns, but Gilbert Burns is really, really good. And I thought Blah Muhammad was a top 15 welterweight, but not a top seven welterweight. So Bilal Muhammad proved me wrong. Uh, the biggest upset decision-wise, most dominant upset I can think of in a 
long time in MMA in terms of, uh, like you said, that was just a shutout. Uh, I know we've seen 30-25, man, 30-25. I know we've seen ups- upsets where it was like flash knockouts or submissions, stuff like that. But for Bala Muhammad to do that to someone, a lot of people, I remember that thing that was going around on MMA Twitter. It was like, oh, tweet a picture of someone you were really confident was going to be a UFC champion. I saw a lot of Steven Thompson's. A lot of people thought he was going to be Tyron Woodley back at UFC 205 and UFC 209. So uh, good on Bilal Muhammad. Now he's this new guy. This new guy that every single press conference he's going to be at, he's going to be like, "So you're a, you're an analyst and a fighter. When are you going to think of hanging it up if you don't get a title shot?" Which is just, I feel like every time Anthony Smith does a press conference, it's the first question he gets asked. Now you can add Bilal Muhammad, in. but he's not going to get a title shot. But clearly, top seven, top five welterweight in the world right now. AK, I mean, I think this one just surprised a lot of people in general. And, and if we're being honest, this is not two in a row for, for Wonder Boy. Like the, and in particular, the way it went, right? This very takedown-heavy game plan. For you, is this win more about Bilal finally taking that long-awaited next step? Or is this what's going on? Or, or is it more about what's going wrong for Wonder Boy right now at this stage of his career for you? Definitely a bit of both. Definitely a bit of both. Uh, I'll praise Bilal first because again, it, it 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 takes a lot to be that adaptable. You know, we I think we view him as more as almost one of those again high volume striker. Uh, you know, he wins fights based on cardio and, and just kind of out toughing people. And um, I, I'm sure he's a fine grappler. I just don't think it's something he's ever used to just really dominate a fight before. And on paper. I mean, that certainly seemed like an option as what you would want to do against uh, Wonder Boy, one of the trickiest strikers, you know, in, in, in MMA. Uh, we just didn't think he could do it. I mean, a, a case I'll tell you on, on the pre-fight Q&A, I could not have been more wrong. Uh, someone literally asked us, one of the questions was, do you guys think Bilal will just out, just, you know, wrestle and smother Wonder Boy? And I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, I know we just saw it, but I'm like... I think that's just the the the, um, the Gilbert Burns loss was so fresh in people's minds. They think, oh, his wrestling is a weakness. And like historically, uh, takedown defense is pretty a strength of Stephen Thompson's. So that's why it lends to the, the second part of your question, where I do think uh, fundamentally, I'm sure his takedown defense is fine. But you're just getting older. Your reflexes are a little bit slower. Uh, your, your opponents are a little bit younger, a bit hungrier. Um, Wonder Boy will be 39 uh, in February. So again, I'm sorry, I hate to keep dating people like this, but age in combat sports really really matters and once once you start going once you hit that sort of hump there's a hump it's it's really hard to come back i'm sure people will have examples of uh of fighters who have you know looked washed i don't know maybe andre Arlovsky, maybe you know look washed and then kind of somehow found a second third fourth gear in their careers but it's rare uh maybe wonder boy is that guy but right now there's there is based on the last two fights uh there's very good reason to believe that he's not and uh his days as a contender could be over Casey, I mean, same thing to you. Is this more about Bilal women winning for you, or is this Wonder Boy losing? What's the story here? I'm going to go Wonder Boy losing. I'm not trying to take too much away from um, Mr. Muhammad with the with the biggest win of his career, but I'm actually going to put um, much much more of this on a Wonder Boy. Um, I made a big oversight when I was looking at this fight. Um, I completely forgot this was at the apex. Completely big forgot that. point. It's a big point for even the main event. All of these fights, it, it, main, it played yeah. into it. I completely forgot it was, it, was, it was the apex. I think they even mentioned that in the commentary. As soon as Wonderboy's got that super wide stance already, he takes two steps back. His foot is already in that little, you know, the warning track area. It's not good for him. But and um, and, you know, in the 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 long, the, the overdone storyline too with Wonderboy, aren't you Wonder Man now? That actually takes that actually says a lot because. At some point, these fighters get old, and tonight I felt I saw an old Wonder Boy, and it showed in the small apex, small apex cage, and with Bilal, and Bilal just sticking to a game plan. And he, dude, Bilal he sticks to a game plan. I, cre- I give him a lot of credit for that. And um, he didn't he didn't care about making this exciting. He just knew he had to get a W. This is one of those fights where you don't got to win impressively; you just got to win, and that's all he needed. Um, so like we're not talking because I mean. Take take out the fact that it was an upset. It was a boring fight, you know, in terms of just pure sure. inter, in, in fight entertainment. But the storyline of the fight, you know, Wonder Boy, you know, not being a top contender anymore, basically, that's that's why we're kind of talking about it. That's why I, I put more of the kind of the the story of this fight on Wonder Boy just getting old and um and just that this is new 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 crop. And um, AK mentioned though this kind of Arlovsky thing. But which I think is interesting because Arlovsky never kind of came back and became a title contender. Arlovsky was just one of the best, one of the best heavyweights 
and then became came this kind of middle of the road heavyweight and just then managed he, to survive. Well, he, he, he had, had a, a very one, brief moment. He, he, he had a number one like, contender fight against Stipe. Yeah. yeah. The, okay. He he hit that, but did we ever think that Arlovski, when he came back to the UFC, was going to be a UFC champion? Did, did was there any of that that did you, did you ever no, feel that? No. That's what no. I mean. I mean, maybe Wonderboy if he can stick around. And if he's okay with this, this is a big thing for fighters and for fans too. And I wish more fighters and fans were okay with this. Wonderboy used to be one of the best. It's okay if he becomes just a top 15 guy, he becomes a gatekeeper. I'm okay with that. As long as he's happy with that and, you know, he's content, you know, with the damage that does to his body, just living that life, you know, like Arlovsky does. Arlovsky makes a great living being a, what, he's right, a top 20, he's kind of this very end-of-the-line gatekeeper. If Wonder Boy, he's a gatekeeper that, to the top fifteen. Yeah, gatekeeper. Yeah, maybe Wonder Boy would be that pretty soon. Like gatekeeper to the top ten, and now now Bilal, he's a top ten fighter. So, um, uh, yeah, Wonder Boy got old tonight. Small cage wasn't good for him, and um, I don't see Wonder Boy coming back and uh, any sort of title run. That's a big. That's, that's a shame. It sucks for him. Um, like it, like Jose said, he's one of those guys we thought. At some point, even after the Woodley losses, that he would get, he would get that, he would get one more crack at it, but just didn't happen for him. He had the opportunity. He, he lost to Burns, even losing tonight. Like there, there were roads to get to that title fight. It's just um, he didn't win those fights, and here we are. Yeah, it certainly does feel as if tonight's that last nail in the coffin for what could have been with Usman Wonderboy. Just that really interesting I mean. it, stylistic matchup. It was right there. It was right. It was kind. Of, it wasn't right it, it, there. It's but, been right. It's been sort yeah, of right there so for a close, while, yeah. and we just. It's timing. This game's all about timing, and unfortunately, we never got to that. I think it would have been a very interesting fight for Usman just stylistically, but it is what it is now. And Jose, very quickly, I mean, this is now seven fights in a row, unbeaten for, for Bilal Muhammad. And this one puts him in fairly elite company. Like, say what you will about Wonderboy, but he was still up there in those rankings. What do you think now? What do you, what do, you do with Bilal Muhammad now? I know he wanted Leon Edwards, and I wouldn't be opposed if they made that fight solely because of how that first fight ended. But Leon Edwards also head kicks Bilal Muhammad really hard before he stabbed him <laughs> in the eye. So uh, it wasn't that competitive for the, what, 60 seconds it was. But, yeah, that's only 60 seconds. So uh, take take that for what you will. But uh, I don't know. If he wants rematches, I wouldn't say no to Vicente Luque rematch. That was so long ago, as so many people pointed out. That was UFC 205, the first MSG card. Because uh, I was I tweeted, like, oh, how come no one's calling out Vicente Luque? And they're like, oh, they already fought. And then there's this big argument about how that was so long ago. Fine, run it back then. If they're both at the, this, this new part, like Leon Edwards saying he's a new fighter, he wants a shot at Kamar Usman, stick Bilal Muhammad and Vicente Luque on the same card as backup fighters because that's two rematches of welterweight. Both fighters are, all four fighters involved in those two fights are completely different from where they were so, so many years ago. So if I'm the UFC matchmaker, stick the two nice guys and Bilal Muhammad uh, and Vicente Luque uh, against each other. Uh, on the same card as when Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards fight. I don't mind that fight, but I would say I don't know why Luke would take it, right? Because like, what is, that sort of just leaves him in the same place that he is right now. It, he sort of needs that one less, like one last, like elevation in terms of opponent. I do really like the Edwards Bilal rematch. That would be really fun, and I think it sort of works right now. But it does feel like Edwards is maybe that next fight for Usman. What do you think, AK? What do you do? What do you do next with Bilal? What do you do with Wonder Boy? How, how does this play out? I saw people calling for a Sean Brady fight, which uh, I don't mind at all. I, I know it's it's kind of weird because uh, uh, Muhammad has so many more UFC fights than him, but Brady kind of jumped over him with the Chiesa win, depending who you ask. Uh, in our rankings, uh, I think uh, Brady – oh, Brady is way ahead. Sorry. In our rankings, Brady is eighth. Uh, Muhammad is 13th. Of course, this includes Bellator and other, other organizations. but So he's way ahead uh, of Muhammad in our rankings. He is ahead in the UFC's official rankings as where well. Would, where, yep. where, are you, where are you going to put Muhammad, though? Because this is the rankings before the Thompson fight. Uh, this is true. This is true. Well, th- that's the thing. Th- th- uh, it kind of goes with what uh, what Sean was saying. Uh, Shaheen was saying, how much do you bump up Bilal? How much do you drop down Wonder Boy? So it's tough. Um, again, I wouldn't drop down Wonder Boy too far. He still has some pretty high quality wins. He beat Luke, the guy that we just mentioned a bunch of times. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tricky. It's, it's gonna, definitely going to mess with the MMA math a little bit, I think. I think uh, uh, we're going to, you know, you, you can't just rely on, well, this guy beat this guy, this guy beat this guy. It's going to be a bit tricky in that regard. So. Um, but yeah, I, I, either way, I don't mind the Sean Brady matchup. He, he's his name has a bit more buzz. It's not really fair. Again, Muhammad is is more accomplished than him technically in the UFC. But uh, I don't know. I think he'd say no to it. I think he'd like. I think he probably thinks he can beat Sean Brady. I think he'd like the idea of handing him his first loss. 
Uh, and frankly, I don't know what other matchup he can get right now that's going to push him uh, closer to a title shot. Because you just know, I think the UFC likes Bilal Muhammad. They don't love him. I don't think they love him. His fighting style, not super fan friendly. Um, and I think he's got a great quirky personality, but not the kind of personality that's an easy sell um, for the UFC, uh, UFC promo team. Also, one name that I'm actually a little surprised hasn't been mentioned, Hamzat Shemaev. I mean, Bilal, now has the, Bilal now has the ranking where you can sort of, if Hamzat wins that fight, he jumps all the way up to that ranking, right? What, Casey, where, where do you go with this? I think in, in terms of fairness, because uh, Muhammad just fought someone that was way ahead of him and he beat and he beat that person. I think now your next fight, you kind of have to fight someone behind you. And that's why I actually do like a fight like Brady. I even like Kiesa and I like Shemaev. I think... Um, because I don't think I don't I, the Edwards fight doesn't make sense to me. I think Edwards is getting a title fight. Um, none of the other Luke. I just don't think Luke should take that fight. Honestly, I mean, Luke can't take. I it totally agree with you. I totally just, agree. With there's you. just no reason to. I think he can just wait around for a better fight, and that fight literally does nothing for him other than be risky. Um, so I think yeah, for Muhammad, uh, he's not gonna get that title shot next, and I think he should fight someone right be, close behind him. Brady, even Kiesa, that was a super close fight. And the Shmaya fight is right there, too. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. All right, so there's still so much left to hit tonight, so I want to get to some fan questions in a second. But just first, quick straw poll. Who among us scored Angela Hill versus Amanda Lemos for Angela Hill? Because I absolutely did. Angela Hill won that fight. Oh, I wasn't watching the fight closely enough. I can't say. Uh, I didn't. I didn't score that one. Yeah, Casey. Yeah. Angela Hill won that fight. Angela Hill won that fight. Um, it was a great. It was, first of all, I'm thirty twenty seven might be one of the worst scored cards of the year. For I do Amanda not understand Lemos. how you can get the crazy. second round away to that card. Uh, that was crazy. Yeah, that, that card, that's just, that, that second, that, rounds one and two were so easy to score. Obviously, it's round three. That seems to be kind of the swing round, the, the tougher round to score. And I understand why some people thought Lemos won the round three. I was pretty, even with the spinning elbow not being technically a knockdown, more of a, uh, a, a knockover because it mm-hmm. kind of hit her shoulder. But even then, I still thought uh, Angela Hill was the, uh, the better fighter in the round three. And I thought she won a fight. I thought she was going to get her ass kicked, honestly. Lemos was the heavy, the biggest favorite in the card. I didn't know that. She was the biggest favorite in the card. And... Um, Man, what a curse fighter Angela Hill is. Dude, it's <laughs> crazy Over at this four. point. Over four and split decisions. Casey, did I not say this was the, this was the upset to watch out for, though? I actually thought, like, again, I wasn't going to watch the fight super closely, but every time I looked over, I'm like, Angela Hill's doing pretty good. This was since great. most people, including myself. Uh, I was I, I, I talked out of both sides of my mouth here because I did predict a first round win for Lemos. But on our <laughs> Q and A, but on our Q and A, I did say if you were if you were a gambling man and you were going to bet on an upset, that that's the one to do it. And we saw why. Like we definitely saw in the fight why why that was the case. Yeah, I mean, and when we talked to uh, Angela Hill, I was like, "You're crazy, lady," and she she was real confident. She's like, "No, I see holes in this woman's game, and she and she ain't ready for me." And um, she was partially right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a bummer. Bummer, but um, at least at least Dana White in the post press conference acknowledged that he thought Hill won the fight. Um, so you know that means it's just crazy bit. at this. It point, just man. sucks. It's just it, incredible it, bad luck. She, I don't know what it is about her fighting style that judges don't like, that they almost like, but there's one judge that just nah. She's the queen of the bad beat. Like this is now four split decision losses in a row, or not in a row, but just not in general for her UFC career. Four. They can, e- they can easily four. go another that way. All, easily go another all way. of those. Courtney Casey, Claudia Gadelia, Michelle Waterson, and tonight, I thought Angela won all of them. And her UFC record and her run and where she would be in this division is so different. If even half of those go go the way they should have, it's just crazy. And I will say for the audience too, uh, 
just to give them context, AK Jose, you guys were on the boxing beat tonight. You guys were assigned boxing, so yeah. there's a reason you weren't watching other, the fights. Other you were, you, yeah, you were not being irresponsible. You were doing no, your job, no. um, watching like four, three or four things at once. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting late into the night. I know AK at this point has to be almost. Oh, oh, sorry. I want to say falling asleep, okay. exhausted. So let's get some no, fan no, questions. No, no. I'm, I'm jazzed up now. I wanted to say about the the. Sorry, I will pause again for not watching the fight closely. But MMADecisions.com. Uh, Eleven media members logged on MMA Decisions. Ten. 10 for Hill. 10 had a 29 28 Hill. 10 out of 11. The lone one, uh, our good pal, Jerick Riggs, who uh, scored a 29 28 Lamos. Which, again, I don't think it's like the most insane score, but it does show you media was pretty pretty clear who they thought got this one. <laughs> Robert. 30 27. 30 27 is crazy. That was bad. Doug Crosby. Um, Doug Crosby. Man. All right, Casey, let's get some fan questions in here. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm throw some, um, for anyone watching, throw throw your comments up in the comment section. I'll look for them. But let me um, post the ones that we already got. And vote in the poll. I threw up a poll here for uh, what was the most memorable moment of the night. And and uh, okay. Jake Paul Woodley, w- Williams Gore, Lewis Dacus, or Muhammad uh, Wonderboy. Uh, uh, Paul Woodley, say, way ahead. <laughs> I will say, while we're waiting on these questions, Williams Gore uh, was way more fun than it had any so actual fun. right to be. Like That was so one fun. of the better fights we saw tonight, and I really so enjoyed it. And you I'm guys are crazy because that was horrible boxing, but for some reason, oh, horrible. We lo- I think MMA fans really like horrible boxing. Because I'll, oh, absolutely, <laughs> we love a horrible sloppy box. Because there, how many but, takedowns are almost worth that fight? <laughs> uh, it was like a half of Gorsh an early. MMA fight. Yeah, Gore shot really early, and he got in deep. I mean, yeah, that would have been a completed takedown in the UFC. He was also the Darren Williams like half knockdown where he just basically pushed him like out of the ropes. Like that, that was, was hilarious. I'm here for that. Like that was interesting. I'm really, I just enjoy watching really crazy high level athletes sort of try to do this stuff. (laughs) And then, of course, the clip of uh, of Gore becoming momentarily distracted and then eating a punch (laughs) and then eating a punch and then looking back at Darren Williams like shocked, like, what are you doing? And then eating another punch right in the mouth. (laughs) That's that's the new, I mean, that's the new meme that's going out there. Like, I I hope that becomes more famous than the Woodley K. I know it won't, but that scene is just incredible. I got. I got that exact meme sent to me by several of my non-combat so sports friends. So <laughs> it's good. like that's the one you guys are paying attention. <laughs> you guy punch it. <laughs> what? Whoa! Whoa! Whoa. Hey! 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 hey chill! Chill! <laughs> let's, let's, All right, let's get a couple questions in here before we get out. All right, uh, guys and ladies, hit us some questions. All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the highly anticipated Four Corner Sports asks: Does Justin Taffa deserve the Carlos Felipe rematch? D- Justin Taffa coming in here, the only UFC heavyweight of all time to miss weight, and then of course he wins his fight with a quickness, very brutal knockout of, of Harry Hunsucker with that head kick in that first round. Uh, I don't even have an opinion on this. Do you? Uh, Carlos Felipe should be fighting. Uh, who? What's his name? Um, the fat guy that did the flip in MSG. What's Chris Barnett. Barnett. That's the fight to make because they both called each other out. They both want it. So as soon as they, as soon as both of them said, let's do it. I forgot about any other option for those two. So that's the fight to make. Can, can we bring back Rocky Martinez just to fight yes. uh, 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 Chris Barnett? Is that, can we make this happen? I was so sad when they cut him. I'm like, no, no, this fight has to happen. Something. I, I really um, put this yeah, question. This, Oh, Four Corner Sports is a regular contributor to yeah. uh, onto the next one, so he's he's always bringing out some deep cuts. I'm like, I, I don't know who's 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 wondering about this question, but apparently one person did. So <laughs> thank you. I mean, it's, Corner Sports. it's a total How bummer did- for Tafa not to get the 50k. I don't know if he would have got it tonight because that head kick KO was so freaking cool. Because Mister Hunsucker effing he blocked the dang kick and he the blocked kick the was, whole thing. Yeah, the kick was blocked and, and, and it was so hard. He he. He still knocked himself out. That extra pound, baby. That extra extra one. That extra pound. I mean, I know he was hurt before. I know he was hurt before, but just, just, but even these are these are experienced fighters blocking kicks, and to get knocked out from a a a properly blocked head kick, that's just that's that scares me. That scares me. We have a theory why he couldn't cut the extra pound. What's your theory? Do we have one? I mean, oh, I thought you were gonna lay it on no, me. I thought you had something cooking. Come so on. So does this tell us he's already cutting down from a lot? Is he is he like well over 265? Is he like 280, 285? And he's actually cutting weight to make the 265 limit or 266? Is that where the case? It was literally one pound, and he weighed in pretty early. So I think they would have given him extra time to cut the weight. And again, look, we don't encourage extreme weight cutting around here. If there's health reasons why he couldn't do it, I understand. 
it's just very strange. It's very strange for a heavyweight to not be able to cut one pound. And again, very yeah. likely costing himself a $50,000. Oh, yeah, and, and the fine. That a one pound over for a heavyweight, that's like a 125er coming in like 0.2 pounds over. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's, it's such a, a – Right. A, a nominal, just not, nothing type of – but you didn't make the weight. I'm, I'm going to go rogue here. I'm going to go rogue here on this next question because I yeah, see go. it from David Sandine, and I've just, I just need us to address it. <laughs> How about Killer Cub Swanson and the excellent fight IQ and game plan? Can someone here for me just wax poetic about the veteran Killer Cub coming in there again tonight? Shaheen, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm setting the table for you guys. I, I already said I, I absolutely love yeah. With when when you see these type of WEC veterans still just hanging around in the game, I said this with Dominic Cruz the other the other weekend, but this one was so nice, man. Darren Elkins, like Darren Elkins, made a career out of out of surviving these type of things, right? Like that, he has it tatted on his body. He, he he felt so strongly about it that he tatted it on his body. And, and tonight, Killer Cup going in there and knocking him out in two minutes, spinning wheel kick. It oh, it was so good. I love that so much. Just to see the the vets coming in here like this. He still got it. That's all I'm gonna say. He still got it. Um, Dude, those slick as hell. Slick. A few years back, I got to watch Killer. I got to watch Killer Cub do a pad session with um, uh, Six Gun Gibson in Albuquerque, and I was, I was actually me and John Jones, and we were just watching it. More like that guy's a champ. Like we, we were just watching Cub work out and just seeing how talented he is. Watching just him roll. Like he is just a talented, talented fighter. And just he just never got that streak he needed to even fight for a title. Um, I, I put a tweet out the last week, and um, I said that in my in my mind, no, Gegard Mousasi and Cub Swanson are the two best ever UFC fighters to never actually fight for a UFC belt. I mean, I would say Tony Ferguson, but. You know, Tony Ferguson. Well, well, any, like any belt, any belt, any belt, any belt. Gotcha. Any belt, any belt. I'm counting the interim belts. Yeah, I think just. I mean, obviously, Musashi probably would eventually got it, but he moved on. Killer mm-hmm. Cub spent his whole career. He's he's, he's going to retire as a uh, a UFC fighter. And he'll never he'll never get a title shot. And I hope I hope the fans just appreciate him. He's just just a great dude, a great fighter, and um. We, we got to see it tonight. Yeah, that was the fight he lost. So that cool. was the Chi- Giga fight. The, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that's a that's a totally excusable loss. Like Cub Swanson. Yeah. Just say, hey, man, you got you got caught. Yeah, but that's how it is. He's just a great fighter. Last one. Let's end on this, and I want to loop Jose in because it's his boy, uh, yeah. Tristan Gorday, saying with Gamrot's win tonight against Ooh. Carlos Diego Ferreira. God dang, did Gamrot look thank good for, too, Thank you man. for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Uh, does the lightweight division have the best prospects in the bottom half of the top 15 in the UFC? And he, he notes Alvarez, Riddell, Saryukian, oh. Gamrot, Fiziev. Jose, I mean, your boy, he showed out tonight. Yeah, 100%. I mean, everything about that sentence is accurate. I mean, I know a lot of people have been on the 135 Bantamweight hype train for a long time, which that is clearly like, the most competitive right now at the top, but I've never really jumped off the 155 division just being the most interesting in terms of like the talent level from like one to 50. I think there's not a division that can compare because like if you look at like we do one through 15, but if you tack on 15 to 30, any one of those guys could be like a, like they could be a top tenor in like two years. Like, I said this. I thought Gamrod should have gotten the red carpet treatment like Yuri Prohaska and Manal Kopp when they joined. But we get it. But all of us agreed it's because of 155. Like light heavyweight needed new blood and flyweight. There's There wasn't a lot of contenders yeah. at flyweight. And at lightweight, you, you fight someone like Brad Riddell. He might like what Drew Dober wasn't isn't top 15. Drew Dober could easily be a top 15 lightweight in the world. So, yeah, Mateus Gamrod deserves a top 12 opponent next uh, that dude's a monster. He's an incredible grappler, and then he's stopped. Like I thought, he got hurt, like Diego Fajeda got hurt, like like a freak accident. Oh, and then no, on, no. when all oh, of no. the replays, oh, I know. And then all the replays, Gamrot like s- slided in this real sneaky knee, like against the fence, just a thing of beauty, man. And uh, I can't wait. I I said I want to see him and Riddell fight. That depends on if Riddell can get. Uh, back into the cage after getting that pretty brutally finished by uh, Fiziev because I think a lot of people want to see Gamrot and Gillespie because that would just be kind of a fun like grappling grappler versus wrestler type matchup. But I want Fiziev to fight Gillespie. 
and then Gamrock can fight Riddell. And the moral of the story is oh. lightweight, lightweight rules. Oh God! You just gave me the vapors. Tell me off with Gamrot Riddell. That sounds nice, man. Know. You know what else rules? KSW, uh, where Gamrot came from. I'm, I'm yeah. actually glad this came out because we do want to. Sh- I do want to shout out the one thing that there really wasn't space to talk about. Uh, there was KSW 65 today, mm-hmm. and uh, Gamrot, a former two division uh, KSW champion, now joined by Roberto Robocop Soldich, who took out the legend Mehmed Kaldar with just an insane left hand bomb. So if anyone hasn't seen that, we have the highlight on. Uh, MMAfighting.com. You can find the post. And of course, uh, check out KSW social media, wherever you want to see it. You got to see this punch. It was so nasty. It left Kaladov down for like, I think, a full two minutes afterwards. It was really scary. And uh, Soldich now is the uh, is now the KSW middleweight champion in addition to the welterweight champion and probably sure to join Gamrod and other uh, former KSW stars. I think a, take a pay cut over here. What are talking about? Stay there, I know. Man. I was saying he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> want to. He loves fighting. I, mean, I, w- I was saying after. Guram versus Gamrot on Fight Island. I said to the people in the media tent, like this fight could be like Holloway Poirier. Like they fought so young in their careers, and then like seven years later, they're two of the best fighters of all time. Like mm-hmm. Guram is a Guram is a lightweight whose main training partner is Hamza. Like the dude is a monster. Oof. He was like on fight on on the beach. He was like lifting him up and like turn like you know that thing you see wrestlers do where they just yeah. lift the body up and turn him. He was doing that to Hamza, a lightweight was doing that. And then after he won, he's like, "Well, I'm here, and I know Makachev needs an opponent, so I guess I'll throw my name into the hat, Islam. If you want to fight, I'm here. I'll fight you in four days." I'm like, "This dude is just beat Mateus Gamrat and wants to fight Islam Makachev on five days' notice. This dude is insane." Like sign me up for and like that. I hope they rematch in like eight years with their two top three lightweights. I just, I just say this about that fight too. I thought like I know everyone's gonna be like you know Michael Chandler, you know uh, Justin Gaethje fight of the year, fight of the year. But me on a, just a personal level, I freaking love this fight so much. I, I I even tweeted. I said this is this is scramble porn. Like the, the scrambles <laughs> that they were doing, I was just like I was just getting sweaty. I was just like oh my god, that's those scrambles like. Oh, it was just, it was beautiful. It's like, and and that knee, uh, it, it it is too bad because the way the knee, the way uh, Diego basically got hit really hard, there was no real way for him to collapse, or and he was already on the ground, so he was like telling the ref, "Dude, I'm done." So I get why it looked Dude. weird, and the refs just couldn't. I mean, the uh, the commentators just couldn't tell from the camera angle, but. Cre- Oh, great job by Paul Felder tonight on the commentary, calling out the mm-hmm. racists in the crowd. So, oh, with just, the Bilal Muhammad fight, yeah, yeah just, just yeah. great, just Puff. I know we were talking about Cruz and DC last week as far as color commentators and who we dislike most or whatever. Paul Felder, I changed my mind. He is the best color commentator in the UFC. He just, it just, he just did a great job, and he made a good, he made a good job to recognize and tell the audience, no, no, that was not a freak injury. That wasn't a random shot. That was a planned knee to that. Kind of, I guess, floating rib. It's back like that floating rib, yeah. Yeah, was just, yeah that, that was completely planned. He got took him down to whatever he got. He got his back take, and that was just beautiful performance by Gamrot. And poor Diego Ferreira. If you remember, the coach, uh, the commentator said, "Oh, um, his coaches couldn't make it tonight." <laughs> yes. They, they, they what, what did they say? They had, um, they had pro- other pre- obligations a, or something. A, a previous engagement. <laughs> a previous engagement. So later on, a couple hours later, I'm watching. The Paul Wood, uh, the uh, Paul Woodley pay per view, and Darren look at Darren Williams corner. I was like, oh, there's Diego's corner. There's Diego Ferrer's corner man. They're at the freaking boxing match. <laughs> I was like, yes, I, I understand. Darren's a co-owner. I get it. Of that I get it. He's a co-owner. It was just funny. That's a tough beat. It was just funny on the commentary. He had previous engagements. I'm like, was he in a wedding or something? Is he a best man? What's going on? It's like, no. <laughs> Oh, that that I poured Carlos Diego Ferreira because that knee to that floated rib looked like one of the most painful things we saw all night on a night full of painful things. Uh, but hey, y'all, this has been it. This is we've gone long here yeah. as we was, do, but uh, 75 percent, 75 percent Paul Woodley, most memorable moments, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, coming in a close second, Lewis Dawkins at 15 percent. So, <laughs> I think, uh, hey, man. Give the people what they, give the people what they want. Uh, this has been your Saturday night UFC Vegas 45 Paul Woodley 2 post fight show. Our final post fight show of the year. Uh, and it has oh. been amazing being back here with all you guys. I have enjoyed it so much. Huge thank you to all of you who tuned in not only tonight but just who made us a part of your 2021. 
whether you're watching live, watching the replay, listening on the podcast network, whatever it is, we appreciate the support so much. And we have so much more good stuff to bring you in the new year in 2022. Also, keep an eye out. We might have a little uh, end of year awards show coming too. Keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, that is it for us tonight. That man over there is Jose Youngs. We got Alexander K. Lee. We got the best producer in the business, EKC Lane. I am Sean Oshadi. Happy holidays, y'all. What a joy it has been to be back here with you. Keep it locked to MMA fighting, and we'll see you soon. Appreciate y'all. I'm going to go watch Spider-Man tomorrow morning. It's fantastic. Yes. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.